thank you, Father. Lord, even as now we meditate upon your word, speak to our hearts. Um, everything that we do, O oh Lord Jesus, I pray, Father, in this place, let it be an act of worship. Father, let the preaching be an act of worship. Let the hearing be an act of worship. And therefore, O oh Lord, I pray that you would grant us all concentration. That, Lord, we will be focused in our minds. That we will lay aside every superfluity of the flesh. And, Lord, give our minds completely to the sovereign work of the Holy Spirit, even through the next couple of hours, O oh Lord. That you would speak to our hearts. Anoint us, therefore, to speak this word and also to hear this word. And most importantly, Lord, to obey what you have spoken into our hearts. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, I remember in 1980s, late 1980s, in our home, we, f- we bought our first refrigerator. Okay, the, remember those refrigerators, Godridge refrigerator, the very first refrigerator that we got. And it served us really, really well. I think it was the best product that we possibly had, uh, refrigerators lasting uh, that long, okay. And of course, over a period of time, because of uh, use, uh, we wanted to buy a new refrigerator. And uh, what you have in the market is what we call as what offers? Exchange offers, okay. So what you do is you exchange your old uh, television or your uh, washing machine or your refrigerator or what have you to get something new and um, now this this thing has ex- has been extended to every department uh, now even clothing you can go and exchange i don't know how that is possible you can give away your old clothes uh, you know remember it, the, the guy that lady who comes in I don't even understand what she says, but uh, she, they, they take your clothes and they give you something in exchange to that. Do you understand what she said? No, nobody understands, right? But something, something she says, okay? So we have all these exchange offers that keep happening. And most often in, an, in, in every exchange offer, what you give is something which has lost its value in exchange to something which has of, which is of much value. But in every exchange offer, you have to pay a price. Okay. It's a remarkable price. And sometimes, and of course, uh, uh, if you, for example, if you want to buy in these days, I've, I saw it even on Amazon. If you want to buy a new laptop or a Mac, I mean, they also have exchange offers. You can exchange your old Lenovo for a new Mac. But if you exchange Mac for Mac, you get a good deal. But you exchange Lenovo for a Mac, uh, you get what? Pittance, maybe 2000 rupees uh, cash back. Just giving you an example. So it all depends, you know, you went, this, this, uh, the whole world is working these days on exchange offers. But you know something? There is one mega exchange offer we should all not miss. That is the reason why I call today's sermon the mega exchange. Okay, the mega exchange. Alright, what is this mega exchange? I'm, and, and I'm using all biblical terminologies over here. The, it says in First Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, so you don't have to turn there, it says, uh, great is the mystery of godliness. Mega mysterion. Christ was manifested in flesh, died, justified by the Spirit, seen by the angels, received up into glory. Concise doctrinal statement on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God is a God who exchanges. But unlike the exchanges that we have in the world, where you have to barter things of value, here, God exchanges something of infinite value for something which is absolutely useless in his eyes. 
And that is the reason why for 40 days the church celebrates. It's a good tradition, of course. I mean, uh, some people don't know what they're celebrating. They just follow Lent as a calendar. But if you truly, 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 you know, uh, you know, take, take it to heart and understand the biblical calendar of Lent, it could be a tremendously enriching experience. You would walk close to God. You would have a uh, 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 spiritual uh, rejuvenation in your heart, in your in your life. There'll be a, and really, it could be a blessing for you if you observe Lent in its spirit. And of course, we know that Lent starts with what? The first day of Lent is called Ash Wednesday. Okay, uh, and traditionally, what I mean for, for people who come from uh, non-Christian backgrounds, let me just brief you on the tradition. It's no big deal. Uh, the priest comes and puts uh, ash on your forehead and says. Mourn for 40 days for your sins. Let this be the time of penitence and repentance, coming back to the Lord. And uh, by the end of Lent, uh, may you have a, a spiritual uh, rejuvenation. You are, uh, you are uh, uh, revived in your spirit and, and uh, you enjoy a closer walk with the Lord. But uh, it's, it's great. It's a good thing. But, you know, every idea is from God. Nothing is man's. So today I want to look at a particular passage in the Bible, you know, where we talk about exchange. And you know, there are, as, as we heard from this pulpit over and over again, there are two foundations which are absolutely important in a believer's life. What are they? Repentance and faith. Repentance and faith. These are the absolute two foundations of, on which the entire Christian walk is built. You know, uh, if you if you go through Usman University, how many of you went through Usman University, drove through Usman University? Let, let me see your hands. Okay, drove through Usman University. When you drive through Usman University, what is the most beautiful building? Anybody? Somebody said something. Arts College. Okay, Arts College. Now, this is something which I heard. Arts College. It's something which you can't miss, okay? When you drive past that place, you look at Arts College, you will always give it a second glance. Now, something interesting I have learned recently about Arts College is that Arts College was built on a sinking foundation. The entire structure is slowly sinking, albeit in millimeters. But if you come back in possibly another 90 years or two generations from now, the entire Arts College would have sunk almost half. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was a... Um, there was a building in 19, early 1990s or 1980s in Hyderabad, in Somajigura, where the builder built a building where he was supposed to uh, dig almost like the 30 feet or 30 meters, I'm not sure, 36 meters, and he only dug 30 meters, and the entire structure sunk, sunk after building eight stories up. Those days it came in the newspaper. So the foundations are very important. There are two foundations which are absolutely, what we say, uh, indispensable. Repentance and faith. Repentance from dead works, faith toward God. Okay, repentance from dead works and faith toward God. In all this, all the while, what are you doing in repentance? You're exchanging what is not of value in your life. You're exchanging it for what is of eternal value while you're repenting. You're exchanging. Even in your restitution, what you're saying, Lord, I am going to give up something which is going to take me to hell to something which will last all eternity. Repentance and faith. God is a God who does a tremendous exchange. And we'll look at a particular passage today to understand what he exchanges. So please pay attention. Isaiah chapter 61. Very famous. 
Okay, let's read through Isaiah chapter 61 and then let's uh, go about it step by step. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me <clears throat> because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Okay? To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. That was once upon a time when I was growing up the theme for VBS. Beauty for ashes. Beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they may be called the trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. And verse 4, and they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. And they shall repair the ruined cities. The desolations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. And the sons of the foreigners shall be your plowmen and your wine dressers. And you shall be named the priests of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles. And in their glory you shall boast. Instead of shame, you will have what? Double honor. Instead of confusion, confusion, you shall have rejoice in their portion. <clears throat> you shall re- rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double everlasting joy shall be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offering. I will direct their work in truth and I will make them with, uh, I'll make with them an everlasting covenant. Their descendants shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. So I want to look at five exchanges. How many exchanges? Five. Okay. Very simple to remember. Five exchanges mentioned in Isaiah chapter 61. First exchange, beauty for ashes. Second, oil of gladness for mourning. Third, garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Third, double honor for shame. Fifth, rejoice, rejoicing in our portion for confusion. The word rejoicing also has, has been rendered in some translations as shouts of joy. Rejoicing in our portion for confusion. So you have double honor for shame, rejoicing in for the beauty for ashes, oil of gladness for mourning, garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, double honor for shame, rejoicing in our portion for confusion. What, how many? How many exchanges? And what is the what is number five? Grace. Okay, we all know. So let us look at it, each of these exchanges step by step and let us apply it in our own lives what these actually mean. First, beauty for ashes. Now we need to understand what ashes mean. Now there is a very interesting trophy that is played in cricket called the ashes. Historical trophy, 1882 if I am right, for a very first time, on England soil, Australia beat England in this, in a, in a particular test match and the newspaper said that English cricket has died and has been cremated and the Australians are taking home the ashes. That is how ashes came. Alright. And then the, the captain the next year he wanted to regain the ashes. So he said, you know what? We are going back to Australia. We are going to what? Regain the ashes. Okay, that is how the Ashes cricket started. And you know, the most famous recent Ashes, anybody remembers? The most famous Ashes. Romanchuk. 
Okay. 2005 Ashes played in England, where England got the Ashes back from from Australia. They beat them uh, 3-2, I think, three games to two. I'm I'm not sure. Two games to one, if I'm right. Two games to one. Two tests to one. Uh, Freddie Flintoff and all these people. That's That that documentary is there on on YouTube, uh, by the way. You can just watch it. Amazing. So, what is God going to give us? You know, that is different ashes, of course. God is going to give us what? Beauty for ashes. Therefore, what we need to understand is, what is the meaning of ashes? Okay, what is the meaning of ashes? First, obvious meaning, if he is giving beauty for ashes, what should ashes mean? It should be the opposite of beauty. It is ugly. Okay. Okay. So the word ugly actually in the English dictionary means dreadful, repulsive in its appearance. That is the reason why we need beauty. Okay. It's an ugliness of the human soul marred by sin. Ugliness. Okay. Andavikaram. That is the word in Telugu. Vikaram. Twisted. Okay. You know, sometimes you have caricatures of wicked people, right? Okay. When you see the caricatures of wicked people, you know how they have their faces, cheekbones gone inside, sharp nose, eyebrows like that. No, that is how they caricature wicked people, right? No, there's a caricature in the Bible too. And then, and by the way, there was a man called, um, um, Oscar Wilde. How have you, how many of you have heard this name? Oscar Wilde. He wrote a book called, um, the portrait of Dorian Gray. Uh, Dorian Gray, in psychology, there's a, a symptom called Dorian Gray syndrome. What is this Dorian Gray syndrome? Excessive infatuation with not self, only self, to somehow protect your youthful looks. Excessive infatuation. So in other words, you get depressed if you look older. I mean, it's remarkable. This is how exactly our generation is going on. The amount of money in the cosmetic industry is possibly the next to the fashion industry, the cosmetic industry. Amount of money being pumped, research happening to, to develop anti-aging cosmetics. You know, cosmetic comes from the word cosmos, which essentially comes from order out of chaos, no? So there is chaos, we want to bring order. Cosmetics. Okay, excessive infatuation with regaining your youthful looks. You have to look young. You have to look dynamic. You know, young, rich and retired. You know that, right? I mean, my parents and all, they retired at 60. Nowadays we are thinking of retiring at 40, 45. Young, rich and retired. That is what is the objective of today's generation. The Dorian Gray syndrome. No, there's a very interesting, by the way, the story is very, very interesting. I'm just going to briefly give you a, 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 a gist of what the story is all about. There's a guy called Dorian Gray, extremely handsome looking. There was a guy called Lord Henry Watton, who's a hedonist. He says, boss, enjoy life, pleasure. Kal ne, kal kisne dekha. Eat, drink, tomorrow we die. Okay. That is what his philosophy was. And there was a, an artist or a painter called Basil Hallward who was 
he is like totally fascinated by the looks of Dorian Gray. And he said, this painting, this guy is the epitome of, of handsomeness. Prince Charming. I mean, one of the characters in the, in the, in the, in the, in the play calls him the Prince Charming. And he's totally enamored by his beauty and he's painting it. And even as he's painting, uh, uh, Dorian Gray's picture, this guy called, uh, this Lord Henry Wotton is sitting by him and he was talking about his hedonistic philosophy and Dorian Gray gets attracted to the hedonistic philosophy and he wishes, he's looking at his portrait and he says, you know what? I wish all the muck that I do will not show on my youthful looks, but only mar the picture. You know what? Tadastu happens. Okay, Tadastu Tadastu. So what happens? He gets the picture, the artist gives him, and he takes it home. What he does, he wants to test it now. So he goes and, you know, uh, quotes this woman. And uh, in the process, rejects her. And when he rejects her, the woman's brother, he wants to protect that woman from Dorian Gray, knowing that this guy is possibly not a good guy. Because he's looking at his lifestyle and he's not, doesn't like the lifestyle. He wants the sister, but however, the sister loves the, loves the guy. And uh, make a long story short, one day he says, I'm sorry, I can't marry you. She's so frustrated. She's depressed. She commits suicide. Now, this guy is strict in his conscience. But you know what he says? Let me see what happened to the picture. So he goes home, takes out the portrait, and he looks at the picture. And you know what he finds? He finds the face of the picture twisted, but nothing happens to him. He still looks handsome. And he says, this is interesting. I can continue my hedonistic lifestyle while the picture is getting marred. I don't have to do anything. One day, he keeps on enjoying his life, pleasure after pleasure, woman after woman, debaucherous lifestyle. One day, this artist meets him. He looks at him and he says, boy, you look so young. Did your wish come to pass? He said, yeah. Really? Can I have a look at the picture? Now, 18 years have passed. This guy takes to him, Dorian Gray takes his, takes him to his house and he opens the cupboard and he shows him the picture. The picture is beyond recognition. It's so twisted. All that the guy can see is his signature, Basil. And he's shocked. And he says, my God, Dorian, what are you doing with your life? Why don't you repent? And he pricks him and he says, come on, Dorian, come back to your, to your old ways. This is absolute wrong way that you're going. You know what, Basil, but Dorian, he doesn't have to do, he doesn't want to do anything with this guy. He murders him. He murders him and he puts again the portrait back in some other place. Over a period of time, the woman who's, I mean, the woman's brother wants to kill him. He also dies. He's continuing his lifestyle. And one day he recognizes, you know what? My, my picture is getting so mad. His conscience is troubling him. Now he says, okay, fine. Now I'm going to fall in love with a girl. I'm going to stay true to her. So he quotes another girl. He wants to stay true to her. Now he wants to repair his life. But the more he's true to her, he goes back and sees the picture. It gets even more twisted. You know why? Because he's saying, you know what? Even my truth now, even my truthfulness has got ulterior motives. It is even more twisted. And one day he can't stand it anymore. You know what he does? He says, this picture has to die. So he takes a knife and he stabs the picture. And the servants in the home hear a shout. When they come upstairs, they see an old disfigured man dead. 
and the beautiful picture of Dorian Gray on the on the portrait. It's a beautiful allegorical story of a man whose visage is marred internally because of a sinful lifestyle. But you know what? He wants to keep a, a shroud of goodness, but deep down inside he's twisted. We are all like that. Romans chapter 1. Look at how Paul describes this. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And what did they exchange? They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images. Resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to the lusts of their heart. To the, dis- to the disordering of their bodies among themselves. Then, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. They exchanged the glory of God. Now they exchanged the truth about God. Then, And the men likewise gave up natural relationship with women and were consumed with passion one for another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them over to a debased mind. And what happens ultimately? Look at the result of all this exchange that the man has done. They are filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. Disobedient to parents. Order of the day. I mean, nowadays if people are obedient, something is wrong with this fellow. Okay. Disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Mad beyond recognition. Why? For all have sinned. What happened? They have fallen short of the glory of God. What has happened? Your visage, your soul has been twisted. And you know what Ecclesiastes says? Can that which is twisted be made, made what? Straight. Answer? Answer? No. Twisted by sin. Marred by sin. First, that is the first meaning of ashes. Ashes is the opposite of beauty, which is ugliness. The ugliness caused to the human soul because of sin. Now we look at outward appearance and we look at beauty, right? And, and there's a saying in English, A thing of beauty is a joy forever. That is what young people say, young boys. When they look at a girl, oh, you're lusting. No, 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 no. I'm enjoying beauty. Thing of beauty is a joy forever. Twisted. Twisted in your mind. Twisted in your heart. Just imagine, no? If God were to put a picture of your soul, how would it look? That will be interesting. Not your outward appearance, but your twist, your, your soul. How would it look? Okay, let's move on. Let's look at another meaning of what ashes could mean. What is ashes? Ashes symbolize the end of human strength. Note, for example, take a bunch of wood, put kerosene on it, burn it. What happens? After it burns, what remains? Ashes. Can it be used for anything? No. 
Ashes symbolize the end of human strength. Let me give you an example. Exodus chapter 3. It's actually Exodus uh, chapter 2, not Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 2. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one, one, of, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way, but he did not look up and he purchased. Okay, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to the, to the one who did the wrong, why are you striking your brother or your companion? And he said, who made you prince and judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Finished. Over. He wanted to bring deliverance using his own strength. He was passionate about, passionate about Yahweh. He was passionate about his, about his people. He wanted to bring deliverance to his people by using his own intelligence and his own strength, his own wisdom. What has happened? God drove him out and for 40 years all his strength became Bodhida ashes. And then what does he see? Very interesting, right? Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. Boy, the best way to humble a man. Somebody said, Lord, humble me. That's one way God will humble you is to make you serve your father-in-law. So be very careful. That is biblical humbling. In the mouth of two witnesses, everything is established. Who are the two people who got humbled by their father-in-law? Jacob and Moses. Okay. So you don't be the third one now. Okay. So now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb. Horeb means a cleft. Okay. The mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not. Ah, the bush was burning, but the bush is not consumed. And the bush is not becoming ashes. Interesting. Then Moses said, Hare, this is interesting. I will now turn aside to see this what side? Great side. Why the bush does not Turn into ashes. So that is what we call as the burning bush, right? A bush on fire, okay, but not being consumed. You know, one man of God puts it this way. He says, the bush didn't burn, not because the bush was extraordinary, but because the fire did not need the bush for fuel. Therefore, any old bush will do. In other words, the end of human strength is where God starts. You know why? Because God does not need you for fuel. Otherwise it will only be ashes. That is the reason why it says let there is no other foundation except Jesus Christ. But be careful how you build on this foundation. If it be wood, hay, stubble, gold on precious stones, every Work will be revealed by fire on that day. One will become Buddha, other will become, will come through the fire. Whatever comes through the fire remains. Okay. So, very important for us to understand. Another man of God, I think uh, this is Sundar Krishna again quoting the same sermon. In whatever a man attempts without God, he is bound to fail miserably or succeed even more miserably. If you attempt something without God, 
you will fail miserably. If you fail, there's a hope for you. At least you will say, Aray, this is the wrong decision. Let me come back. But if you succeed, you will become even more miserable. That is ashes. Second meaning of ashes is the end of human strength. First is ugly. Second is end of human strength. Third, what do we do in India? To all dead bodies, cremate them. Right? And what what do we do with the ashes? We put it in Ganga. That is where even Ganga is polluted. No? Okay, Astikalandi is going the ashes, in other words, the third representation, for, uh, uh, the picture for ashes is death. That is the reason why whenever we do burial, you know, this is what we use. Dust to dust, ashes to ashes. What is this? The inability to produce anything of eternal worth. That is ashes. Inability to produce anything of eternal worth. In each one of us, we don't have the ability to produce anything of eternal worth. All flesh is as grass. I didn't put that verse. It says, all flesh is as grass and the glory of it or the beauty of it is like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord abides forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but he who does the will of God will not pass away. You see that? So anything that cannot, the inability to produce anything of eternal worth, that is ashes. Romans chapter 4. This is experienced in the life of Abraham in Romans chapter 4. Look at this. Abraham, that is Abraham, not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead. How many years? 100 years. And the deadness of Sarah's womb absolutely has come to the end of themselves. That's exactly what Peter said. Naku e Christian life chata kadu. Let us all go Fishing. Okay. Let us all go fishing. I go fishing. That's the start how he starts. I go fishing. John says, I will, I will also come. Nathaniel says, I will also come. Everybody goes fishing and the whole night they catch nothing. And Jesus will say, children, did you catch anything? Nothing. At least one fish. Sorry. I think, I mean, I was telling the children, no, maybe Jesus was saying, when they put the fish, put the net on this side, Jesus said, all the fish please move to the other side. All the fish went the other side. Not that because they were not, there were so many, there were 153 minimally. Big fish. And then they put the net on this side. Jesus said, fishy kada chishi. And he just literally played the musical chairs with the fish for 24 hours, almost 12 hours. And then once at the end of it, he said, children! Not even a single one, Lord. At least one, I could have said, okay, some fisherman, everything failed. The end of himself, the inability to produce anything of eternal worth. That is when the Lord made some. That is ashes. The end of your human strength and it is the inability in, our, in ourselves to produce something of eternal worth. That is ashes. So what does God do? He gives us what? Beauty for ashes. But how does he give that? Beauty means, first thing, it has to be beautiful in form. For us to be beautiful, what should he become? Ah, he should become ugly. Isaiah 53, 52. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high as many were 
astonished or astonied at the astonied means people who turned into stone. Okay. His visage was so marred. His face was totally beyond recognition. And his form or his beauty more than the sons of men. You know what God they did to Jesus? They beat him up black and blue on his face. They pulled his beard. They spat, on, spat upon him. And by the time he reached the cross, he was so disfigured. And if you look at him, you will you say, you know what? I don't even want to see. So ugly. That is what sin does. Physically. A representation of physical sin. Physical uh, representation of the, the position, uh, the condition of your heart. So he shall sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him. For that which hath not been told, them shall they see. And that which they had not heard, them they shall consider. So what does he do? He takes our ugliness and he gives us beauty. How does he do that? Romans chapter 3 verse 23 onwards. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified by his grace. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation through by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over sins previously committed. Amazing. Okay. So Isaiah chapter 16 verse 3. To grant those who mourn in Zion a beautiful, what? Headdress. Instead of ashes. That is actually the other rendering. Beautiful headdress. Garland upon his head. It's a turban of linen in Exodus chapter 13. And what does it mean? Let me give you an example of how this exchange happens. This is what I call gospel according to Zechariah. What is that? Gospel according to Zechariah. Look at this. In gospel according to Zechariah chapter 3. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest. Standing before the angel of the Lord. And Satan standing at his right hand and accusing him. Okay, now tell me. Satan is called the what of the brethren? Accuser of the brethren. He will come to us and he will accuse us. He may speak lies to us, but before God, will he speak lies? No. He was actually saying what the true condition of Joshua was. Lord, this guy doesn't deserve your grace. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed in what garments? Filthy garments and standing before the angel. He spoke and said to those who were standing before him saying, Remove the filthy garments from him. And again he said to him, See, I have taken away your iniquity from you and I will clothe you with festal robes. And who is watching this? Zechariah is watching. And he's watching and he's watching and he's watching and he's saying, Lord, this is beautiful. And the Lord deliberately forgot something. What did he forget? Deliberately he forgot something. No? He's wanting to test Zechariah whether Zechariah is really happy when somebody's sin is covered or not. Now what happens? Joshua was clothed and uh, God deliberately forgot. And you know what Zechariah says? Lord, you forgot something. Put a turban on his head. What is turban? A goodly headdress, a beautiful headdress. What does it stand for? The high priest has something on his head written when he puts a turban. What is it written? Holiness unto the Lord. This man is holy. Beauty. Beautiful. Why? Because God took away all his ugliness. 
That is the reason why in 1 John chapter 1, it says, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. But if we confess, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness and give us a clothing of righteousness and put a crown of holiness unto the Lord. That is beauty for ashes. Beauty for ashes. First, beauty for ashes. Second one, remember this. Oil of joy for mourning. Now this word mourning means mourning, crying out for someone who has died close to you. I remember one of my dad's colleagues, they were our neighbors. Eldest son, brilliant guy. Extremely brilliant guy. And they had huge hopes for him. Car, he died in a bike accident. Very young guy, not even 10th grade. And you should see the parents, how devastated they were that day. Mourning, they were absolutely mourning because all their hopes were dashed. That is what he's talking about, mourning. Mourning, oil, and what is for mourning, what is he going to give us? Oil of joy. Now tell me, who actually mourned for his firstborn? God mourned for his firstborn. But look at this. Let us try to understand what this means. Mark 14. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter, James and John and began greatly distressed and troubled. What was he doing? He was mourning. He's going to die. He's going to be separated from his father. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful. Even to death. Please remain here and watch. Mark 14 verse 35 and And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed if it were possible that hour, that hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father. You know what that means? Papa. And some other, some people call Pastor Papu. Daddy. Daddy is a very endearing term. Nobody dared to call God Daddy. But you know what? First time Jesus was there, he was going to die. You know, uh, it happens when you take your children to the hospital and they have to get an injection. Daddy! Papa, please! Papa, please! Mama will not be able to do anything because Mama will say, I cannot handle it, you handle Okay, so Papa has to handle. Papa, please, Papa, let me go. Not go through this, Papa, please. You know, that's exactly something that's happening there. You know, Jesus is telling, you know, this is something just incredible. A mystery in eternity. Three eternally inseparable beings are going to be separated for the first time. And he couldn't take it. He said, Daddy, no, Daddy. Please. Please. Abba. But you know what Abba said? You have to. You know why? Because if you don't go through this, others will not be able to call me Papa. Others will not be able to call me Papa. Let me, let me explain this to you a little more. This is found in Galatians chapter 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. To redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive the adoption as sons. So what God sent was his son 
to die on the cross so that we might receive adoption. But then I know what he sent. He also sent the spirit of his son so that we might cry out, Abba, the oil of joy. The Holy Spirit is also kind of, uh, uh, compared to oil. The oil of joy. Now, let me give you an example. Something which has happened recently in our church. Remember Charan got adopted. You know, you've seen that video where Charan got adopted. It was a huge process for them. You know, almost a year of waiting. You know, uh, the whole process was over. So many delays, so much, so much of red tape. Finally, the day came when the father had, I mean, the parents had come and initially to go for the court, etc. When the father came to pick up his son officially now, he got his passport, he got his visa, took him back to the US, got off the aeroplane, and you saw the picture wherein he was being received by his family for the first time. He received the adoption of sons. You know what happened at that moment? His mother embraced him and he and she kissed him at that time. He's, you know what? The spirit came into him and he cried out, Mommy. You know what God does? He sends his son, allows him to die on the cross and he sends the spirit into his life and he embraces and we say, Lord, you are my father. The oil of gladness because of mourning. Galatians. So you're no longer a slave, but a son and if a son, then an heir. Remember the prodigal son? Father, I don't deserve to be called your son. Okay. Let me be your hired servant and give me my daily wages. Maybe over a period of time, I will get my act together and you can accept me as your son. You know what the, what the father says? Forget it. Forget it. Okay. Come, everybody. You know, it says, and the father kissed him. That is the embrace. The father kissed him. The oil of joy where you experience the kiss of the Holy Spirit. Experience the kiss of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, all daughters. You know what you'll be? Sons. Ah. You wish you were a son? In eternity you will all be called sons. Abba Father. What does it mean? What does it mean for us? It's a subjective experience, right? What does it mean for us? First thing. First, first thing. You can be yourself. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to perform to get acceptance before God. You know, it's like this, no? Daddy, today I need a... Pancake. Abigail will say, let me go and recite Psalm 23 and please my daddy. Psalm 23, Lord is my shepherd. Prasan ho gaya beta. Ele pancake. No. It's foolishness. You don't have to perform to be called my daughter or my son. You don't have to perform. In other words, you can be yourself with God. No, you know, that is the reason why. You know, the, how many Psalms are there? Anybody? 150 Psalms. They are divided into five books. How many books? Five books. After every book, every book, the end verse says Amen. Who edited the book of Psalms? Any idea? There are two people who edited the book of Psalms. It's like, you know, Andhra Kristava Kirtanalu. There are so many songs which have been written. They took a collection of songs and they made it into a hymnal which is called the Psalms. And who did that? Ezra and Nehemiah. 
Okay, the five collections, and you know, unlike us, where we come and say, Lord, take my silver and my gold, not a mite, I withhold. We don't have to lie to God. There, in all the Psalms, you know what, the guy can come and sing his feelings. Without hiding, without pretending, for example. Last time, which Psalm did pastor preach from? Psalm 34. You Do you know the context of the Psalm? Let me show you the context of the Psalm. Psalm 34. A Psalm of David, when David pretended madness before Abimelech, who drove him away and he departed. In other words, he went to Abimelech and Abimelech said, this fellow is a Jewish fellow and this David started acting mad because out of fear. Uh, he did this and spittle was coming out of his mouth and they said, Abimelech said, this fellow is a mad fellow, get him out of here. He pretended before Abimelech and he came to Jesus in his Anaga song. That is Psalm, Psalm 34. What is he saying? I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Kya baat hai? Lord, I pretended before that fellow, but I don't have to pretend before you. That is David. Another example. Okay. For example, today, Lord, I don't like to sing. Why I don't like to sing? In my office, there was a wicked fellow. He got promotion and I'm jealous of that fellow. How many of you feel like that? I felt so many times. Lord, I'm so jealous today. And, and uh, Rishi is asking me to sing God is good all the time. No, Lord. So you have that situation? Don't worry. Psalm 73. Truly God is good to Israel to such as a pure heart. But as for me, Asaf is very, very honest. My feet almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was jealous of that colleague of mine who got a promotion with a bad rating. Because she was a girl. Just adding all permutations and combinations. No, Hashtag me too. Otherwise, no. Very envious Lord. Come and sing. Oh, another, another situation. Okay. Another situation is where, um, um, you know, I don't feel like singing at all. I don't feel like singing at all, Lord. I am in captivity. I can't sing. Miracle singing. So what should I do? Please sing that also. Sing that you can't sing. No, I'm not kidding. Psalm 37. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept. When we remembered Zion, we hung our harps, this fellow singing, we hung our harps with the harpy singing. Lord, I don't feel like singing at all. We hung our harps. How can we sing, Lord? You know why? For those who carried us away to captive, captivity, asked for us a song. Are you oh, gaate na church mein? Church mein gaate, God is good all the time. Both must gana away. Sing, 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 sing. Your God is good. <laughs> sing, please, sing, please. Both acha tune hai iska. Aapki farmaish. Sing that song. And those who plundered us requested mirth. Sing. Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Okay. And then what does it say? How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Can we sing? So sing that. You can be honest. Another position, another situation where uh, your children don't obey you. Okay, your children don't obey you. Not, not, not only they don't obey you, they are after you. They are after your property. And now again you come to church and the worship leader is saying, God is good all the time. What are you saying? Lord, 
God is good all the time. My own son is running after my life. Sing that. Sing that, yeah. Psalm 3. Psalm of David, when, when David fled from Absalom, his son. What, what does he sing? Lord, how they have increased to trouble me. <laughs> He's looking at Absalom. This fellow, Lord. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. Selah, but you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice and he heard me out of his holy hill. And then I was searching, no, Lord, what if I fight with my wife? Is there a psalm like that for, like that too? Yeah, there is a psalm for that, like that also, for that also. That situation is also there, covered every situation. Every possible situation is covered. Where you have fought with your husband or you have fought with your wife. Psalm 45. Now look at this. The, to the choir master according to lilies. A muscle means a contemplation. After you fight with your wife, you become contemplative. Okay. You, you become a philosopher now. Okay. The muscle of the sons of Korah. They had trouble with their father. Now they have trouble with their wives also. A love song. What is that love song? My heart overflows with a pleasing theme. I address my verses to the king. In other words, I will take my eyes off my spouse and I will look at my eternal spouse because this spouse cannot satisfy me. That is the reason why, you know what John Piper called it? John Piper called it a momentary marriage, a parable of permanence. (laughs) This light and momentary marriage, the parable of permanence. So every feeling, that is how they wrote Psalms. That means you don't have to come and say, Lord, I don't feel like giving my silver and my gold. Finished, period. You can be honest. Why, Lord? Why should I give? You might have those feelings. I'm envious. You know what God likes? He likes honest people so that you can come to Him and be children and be saying, you know what? Be yourself before God. That is what we call as oil of joy for morning. Okay. Psalm 45. And finally, Luke 11. If you then, though evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father in Heaven will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. Okay. So Galatians chapter 4 will say, He sent His Son so that we might receive the adoption and He sent the Spirit so that we might cry out, Abba, Father. Alright. That is, first thing, Beauty for ashes. Second, oil of joy for mourning. Third, garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. What is this? Let's read on. Matthew chapter 12. There are two kinds of heaviness that we, that generally people go through. One is heaviness because of demonic oppression. They are not possessed by demons. They are demonized. Daimonizomai, that's the word. They are under the oppression of a demonic evil spirit. Daimonizomai is the word. Matthew chapter 12. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there and great multitudes followed him. And he healed them all. Yet he warned them not to make him known that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, Behold my servant whom I have chosen. My beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased, he will not quarrel. And verse 20, a bruised reed he will not break. And a smoking flax, that's the word smoking flax. Smoking flax means heaviness. 
smoking flax, he will not quench. Till he sends for justice to victory. And in his names, the Gentiles will trust. So let us see some examples of uh, how does how does he achieve this, first of all. How does he uh, not ma- uh, break a bruised reed and uh, not put away the hum- uh, uh, smoking flax? Isaiah 53 verse 5. Because he was, what? Bruised for our iniquities. Therefore, he will not bra- bruise us even more. Luke chapter 13. <clears throat> now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. You know what? This is first hand I have seen. Okay, when I was 22 years old, if I'm right, 22 years old, when we went to a camp in, um, not a camp, an outreach ministry in a remote village in Uttar Pradesh. <clears throat> For the first time, we were all a bunch of engineers from IIT. We had our old theologies. There is no ghost, no evil spirit, nothing. That is what we believed in. Okay. Satan was only a theology. We subscribed to the theology and put him in the shelf. Okay. And then we go to this place. We preach the gospel. Not we. My, my professor preaches the gospel. And we see deliverance happening. People just falling flat foaming from their mouths, all kinds of crazy stuff happening under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And my professor was like this, okay? He was preaching the word, and after the preaching of the word, he started laying hands on all the people over there. And you know what? The anointing was flowing, and people were getting slain. They were being delivered from evil spirits. And he put his leg on another woman, another leg on a small boy, and anointing was flowing, and everybody was getting delivered. First time in my life. Reality of the other realm. So many people, even in the church, bound by the spirit of heaviness. Bound by it. Not able to, you know, when they come to church, there's no smile on their face. They come like this. Hurry. There's no joy. There's no smile. Like this. Am I? I don't, I can't understand that. I mean, I can't understand how we can't worship. Even if you're going through the most difficult time of your life, one thing you should never stop is worshipping. You know, it's amazing that Job has to say, Lord, even if you slay me, I will still worship you. And can you imagine, will any one of us ever go through the suffering of Job? I don't think so. Not even 0.01%, but we come like this. When the usher comes, ha, ha, ha. That's how many people are like that. Bound by the spirit of heaviness for no particular reason. You know what, God? I was actually praying with the worship team. You know, something somebody asked me, I think Peter was, was asking me. He said, Pastor, what is worship for you? I said, you know what? Worship for me is a conversation that I have with the worship team even as I praise and worship God. Conversation that I have with the worship team, even as I exalt God. You know, when we worship, I talk to you, right? Why, does, why, why am I talking to you? Because scripture says, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs of worship, or songs of the spirit, and making melody unto the Lord from your heart. God has given us 
many of us bound by the spirit of heaviness. It's a demonic oppression. You don't have to accept it. You don't have to. You allow, you open doors in your life. What is technically, I mean, what is what the preaching of the word of God has to do? It has to release you, deliver you, even as you listen to the truth of the word of God. Remember when um, Paul is in one, one place and he looks at this man. He, after he preaches, he looks at this guy and he says, he has faith to be healed. And he says, get up and walk. Preaching does that. Teaching does that. It increases the faith. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. It is called HWLP. What is that? HWLP. Hear, walk, live, please. You learned it, no? HWLP. Hear, walk, live, please. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. You will have faith to overcome every kind of opposition. You know why? Because he was bruised for our iniquities. He took it upon himself. Garment of praise. For a spirit of heaviness. Heaviness because of demonic oppression. And he laid, laid hands on her. And immediately she was made straight. And she automatically glorified God. Alright. Acts chapter 3. Now Peter and John went together to the temple at the hour of prayer. The ninth hour and a certain man lame from the mother's womb was carried. Whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple. Which is called beautiful to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who seeing Peter and John about the temple, asked for alms and fixing his eyes upon them, John Peter said, look at us. Silver and gold we have none. Such as I have given thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And what did he do? Immediately, immediately, he took up by, took him up by the right hand, lifted him up, lifted him up. Immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he leaped, stood, walked, entered the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. There is a second kind of heaviness that all of us as believers will go through. First Peter chapter 1, let me look at that as well. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein you greatly rejoice. Though for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Oh, testings and trials are pulling you down. Manifold temptations. And you are down. How do you beat it? Ask God for a garment of praise. How do you do that? That the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto what? Praise and honor and the glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. But how do we do it? It's found in Psalm 107. Beautiful. Fools because of their transgression and because of their iniquities are afflicted. So if you deliberately sin after being a believer, you know what? You will lose joy and you will immediately be attacked by a spirit of heaviness. You know, when believers sin and unbelievers sin is a totally different thing. When believers sin, they come to church, it is okay. Jaya is here. depressed. Why are you depressed? Because I sinned. Let, it, let that be the answer. Honest answer. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat and they draw nearer to the gates of death. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble and he saveth them from all their distresses. Look at that. And he sent his word. Aha, hallelujah. And he 
delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works in the children of men and let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. So whenever you sin, you know, it's absolutely possible that you will be attacked by a spirit of heaviness. You can't talk to your wife and you fought with your wife. You think what will happen? If you fight with your wife, you go to work, you will not be able to work that day. If you are... Even if you're right or wrong, that doesn't matter. You have to, you know, it's very interesting, right? When you come to the off, to the offering table and you remember that your brother has something against you. Not you have something against your brother. No, no, no. Your brother has something against you. Then you can't even give your sacrifice. There's a spirit of heaviness. Deal with that and God will give you the garment of praise. Then, they that go down into the sea, in ships that do business in great waters. Nowadays, of course, we don't go in ships. Those days we go in ships. Jahaz mein jate the, hum log hum hawaii jahaz mein ja rahe hain. And hawaii jahaz is even more uh, dangerous. I remember when I was going with Pastor James the other day to Baktogra. Even as you reach Baktogra, Baktogra has got tremendous turbulence, okay? Plane aram se, and suddenly, and this is bus, no, this is air bus. I got a shock of my life and I was holding my seat like that and Pastor James is coolly sleeping like that. I looked at him and I said, nothing's going to happen to him. I'm his assistant pastor. Nothing is going to happen to me also. Okay. You should see Pastor James, okay? One of the most fearless people I have seen in my entire life. No matter what situation. Cool as a cucumber. Cool. And I said, Pastor, turbulence. Vijay, I have seen worse turbulence. Go to sleep. So they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the storm, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heavens. Have you ever been in a ship? I'm telling you. It is one of the most terrifying experiences to go in a ship in the midst of a storm. Even if you go normally also, you will have seasickness. You know why? Because the water keeps hitting in all directions and your mind cannot calculate the variations and the dynamics. So, within few minutes, it will come out. It, it can be absolutely still water. I, mean, I remember, no, was, there was one, one cruise we had in a conference. I don't know why they had a cruise. I said, Baba, cruise? We had a banquet in a cruise. And I hate that because I, I just went inside. I started eating. It was going at such slow speed. Maybe one knot per hour. or I don't know. So slow. And I had one morsel immediately. You can imagine if still waters can stir up your stomach. What about stormy waters? I remember my uncle who was working in the Navy. Merchant Navy, right? He was caught in the midst of a storm once. Yes, he... They put anchor, two anchors, one on this and the other side, one on the other side. You know what happened? The storm actually twisted the entire ship, almost 300 meters ship. Twisted it like that. 300 meters is one third kilometer, by the way. It's not small. It just twisted the ship. The anchors, chains got tangled like that. And they thought they were going to, gone. Sometimes life is like that. Everything is getting twisted. Lord, what is going on? Roller coaster? I didn't ask for it. But this is not, this is natural roller coaster. Everything is happening in my life. Everything is going. 
Hebar. He commanded and raised up the storm. Who's commanding? It is not because of your sin. You are just doing your business. They mount up to heaven. They go down again into the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. And what do they do? <laughs> you know what do they do? They say, Lord, they reel to and fro and stagger like drunken men. They become Jackie Chan, in other words. They, then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. Then they are glad because they be quiet. So he bringeth them out into the desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. You know what? You will experience God in different, different levels. In different, different situations. God has to take you through those situations. He has to bring heaviness into your life. So that you will cry out to him. And you know what he will give you? Garment of praise. For a spirit of heaviness. What an exchange. Hallelujah. So we finished. First. Beauty for. Oil of joy for. Garment of praise for a. Spirit of heaviness. Fourth one. Double honor for shame. Kya baat hai? Not just honor, double honor. It's like double promotion. How is it possible? Now you were a process associate, you became a manager, senior manager, almost equivalent. No, at least if not in rank, in terms of salary, minimally. Okay. How is this possible? First Peter chapter 2. For it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. Whoever believes in me will not be Put to shame. So that, so then what? Honor is for you who believe. But those who do not believe, the stone that the builders, builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Matlab, if you can buy the sun, you have everything. If he who has the sun has everything, he who does not have the sun, he who has the sun has life. He who does not have the sun does not have life. But the wrath of God abides in him. That's an amazing exchange. But how do you get this double honor? Luke chapter 19. So when Jesus heard these sayings, what happened to the rich young ruler? He said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and Follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, but because he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he became very sorrowful, he said, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom. And then those who heard it said, who then can be saved? What is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said, we have left Everything to follow you. What will we get? We got shame, Lord, because we left everything. What will we get? So what did God God say? Double honor. You know what double honor is? So he said to them, Assuredly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wives or children for the sake of the kingdom who shall receive many times more, not just double. In this present time and in the age to come, eternal life. Double honor. 
Look at this example. John's Gospel, chapter 4, verses 28 to 29. You know this story? How many husbands? Five husbands living with the sixth. Full of shame. Then she meets Jesus. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, it's amazing. They said to whom? Men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and they came to him and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. You know what? She lost her husband. She got a family. She lost her family. She got another family. You lose your family, you will have another family. The body of Christ. The body of Christ here on earth and eternity. You will have an eternal reward. Double honor for shame. You'll see this in the life of one man called Job. Job chapter 42, verse 10. Then the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave him how much? Double as much as he had before. That means you should get double the sons, right? He also had seven sons, three daughters. How many sons did he have in the middle, in the beginning? He had seven sons in three do- and three daughters in Job chapter 1 verse 2. Did he receive double? No, he received double. All the seven sons and three daughters are in heaven. Another seven sons and three daughters here. Fourteen sons and six daughters. Double. But single wife, okay? So that is, uh, uh, that is very, very clear here, okay? Uh, just for your information. FII, okay? Double honor. You... Honor God, God will honor you. That is called as 1, 2, 3, 0. For Samuel, chapter 2, verse 30. Those who honor me, I will honor. How will he honor? Double. Not single, double. Okay. Double honor. Why? How did this happen? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set, set before him, Endured the cross, despising the, he took our shame. So that we can get what honor? Double honor. What an exchange. Finally. So we have beauty for ashes. Oil of joy for mourning. Garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. A double honor for single shame. Yeah, actually, single shame only. Actually, what? So, like, you know what Paul says? The afflictions that we go through are not worth even comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. What? Cannot even compare. You can forget about it. If you have come to God, you will not lose. You, if you are really wise, no. I have calculated. No, I'm, I'm, I'm very selfish, Baba. You don't know me. Very, very selfish. My calculations were very, very, work very well. Now, now, now that I know the Bible is very true, I know where to invest. Even if I don't get immediate returns, I know eternity returns are not double, they're exponential. Because compound interest was found by Jewish people. I'm telling you honestly, I've experienced it in my own life, okay? I remember giving a Jewish beggar five dollars, less than five dollars. I remember when I was, I was going, I was walking in Canada, um, um, snowing, 
on the phone, going towards my apartment, on the road, there was one, this Jewish guy with this yamoka comes and says, Sir, no food, please. Can you please give me something to eat? I don't remember how much I gave him. I think I just took him to the coffee shop and I bought him something. And I went back and I said, Lord, why did I do that? You know what God said? Those who bless my people, I will bless. Abraham, no. Those who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will will curse. So I said, Lord, you said to your people, if you bless them, you will bless me. If you curse them, you will curse me. After several years, you know what? I got this from another Jewish man. You know how much this is? 55,000 rupees. Less than... Five dollars is you know much? Into Canadian dollars, not even American. Hmm? Is forty rupees and about two hundred rupees. Two hundred rupees, fifty-five thousand rupees. Comparison. I've experienced that, so my calculations I know very well now. Okay, five dollars, fifty-five thousand rupees, and you can imagine. <laughs> I mean, I'm just giving you fifty-five thousand rupees over here. There are so many other things I received from the Jewish man. I can't even mention. My second daughter, her entire hospital fee uh, bill was paid by the Jewish man. My second daughter. That time my wife was not working. Initially my wife was working. I, I wish I had twins. So that AK Dafa, I would have had claimed insurance from the company, but that didn't happen. Next time, $5 insurance. Did you anytime, anytime see $5 insurance? If you go and buy online insurance, minimum 20,000 rupees for 10 lakhs coverage without pregnancy. They will not factor in pregnancy, right, doctor? Yeah, easier. You see, $5, that is what God does. He is no man's debtor. No man's debtor. Okay, double honor for shame. Shout for, last one. Shout for joy for confusion or reproach. What is shout for joy, Baba? When do you shout for joy? I'll tell you when you shout for joy. I'll tell you when you shout for joy. Those days, Javagal, uh, Krishnamachari Srikant, out. Gavaskar, out. Asradin, out. Vingsarkar, out. Suddenly, five down. Sachin Tendulkar. Agya. Single-handedly from 10 for 5, he goes to 230 for 5. Who is in our midst? Sachin Tendulkar in our midst. And what does stadium go? Yay! Sachin. Sachin ke liye utna shout for joy. Zachariah 2 verse 10. Shout and be glad, daughter of Zion. For I am coming. I will live among you, declares the Lord. Finished. That is the reason why if God be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how we leave with him, not give us freely, graciously, all things. You know, what God desires, he desires to have a dwelling place in our midst. In our midst, he wants to dwell. It is what we call as a, a tabernacling of God in the, in the in the midst of his people. And you know what he does? It says, if you love me and you keep my commands, you know what I'll do? I will bring my father. He and I will come. We'll sit with you and we will have dinner. In your midst. That's amazing. Shout for joy. 
Shout and be glad. Daughter of Zion, for I am coming. You know why? What are you rejoicing in? You are rejoicing in your portion. Who is your portion? The Lord is my portion forever. My heart and my flesh many times will fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You will rejoice in Him. You will find your gladness in Him. You will say, Lord, if I have you, I have everything. If I don't have you, even if I have everything, I have nothing. Rejoicing. Shout for joy. And if you don't have God, you know what you have? Confusion. Revelation chapter 21 verse 3. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and he will be their God forever. That is what is happening. One day, God is going to come into our midst. Boy, that is going to be an awesome day. Remember? Remember that time when Jesus walks into the temple and he is asked to read the scroll. Somebody said, I mean, I saw the clip, no video clip. Uh, whose turn is it, is, is it to read today? Isaiah 61. Suddenly one man is walking. And then Jesus enters into the synagogue. And he says, brother, move. Everybody shocked. He takes a scroll. He opens where? Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, the opening of the prison doors, etc., etc., etc. And he closes the score and he looks at all of them and he says, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your midst. You don't have to wait till that day when two or three are gathered in my name and there in your midst. You can enjoy his presence every day of your life in your home. Shout for joy because he's there in our midst. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 22. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. This morning, are you burdened by a spirit of heaviness? Are you being tossed to and fro like drunken men because of situations and trials in your life? Lord, you say, Lord, I exchange my spirit of heaviness for a garment of praise. Clothe me with a garment of praise. I cry out to you. Send forth your word and heal me so that I can praise you. Deliver me so that I can declare your goodness and your righteousness in my life. Can I, can I have the worship team this morning, please? Let us sing that song, Salvation Belongs to Our God, who sits upon the throne and unto our God. Praise and glory. Wisdom and strength. Can we all sing, please? Sorry, sorry. This morning, can we all stand up in the presence of God? All of us. You see, we said, down the mountains, the river flows. It's very interesting. The river also flows up the mountain. You know that? Because it's the river of God. Okay. Down the mountains, you will have one experience of God. Up the mountain, you will have another experience of God. In different situations, you will have different, different experience. The greater the number of problems in your life, the greater the experience of God in your life. The more dimensionalities of God's goodness and kindness you will experience. 
And every time, you know what you will say, Lord, I take away the spirit of heaviness. Give me a garment of praise because my hope is in you. My portion is you. My shield is you. I rejoice in you. Can we sing that song? Salvation belongs to our God. Salvation belongs to our God. of Psalms as 150 Psalms out of which 106 Psalms were written by David. 106. And every Psalm is an experience that this man who was not a professional preacher he was just a layman like most of us, most of you. He was just a king, was a shepherd boy and he was made a king. He was not an official in the, in the church or even uh, he was not a clergy. He was just a layman. But you know what? This layman, he wrote 106 psalms and he was, every psalm he was honest. Honest. He expressed all his feelings to God. And there's one thing that you can always do. You don't have to pretend before God. You say, Lord, I'm going through this situation. And when you are honest, you know what God is looking for? He's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for honest people. He's looking at the heart. And if you have honesty in your heart and say, Lord, this is what I'm going through. I'm not going to confess something which I don't really experience and feel. I'm going to come and I'm going to pour out my heart before you. But I want to, I want you to move in my life because I will not pour out my heart before any man. I will pour out my heart before you and you alone because you are my portion. You know, who can give beauty for ashes? Man cannot give you beauty for ashes. It is he who gives you beauty for ashes. And those who give get beauty for ashes are those people who mourn. That is the reason why it says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Are you mourning today because of sin? 
Are you mourning today because there is a, there are, you're going through a difficult trial or a circumstance and you're saying, Lord, why has this happened to me, O Lord? My heart was right before you. My heart was right. I didn't do any, any harm to anybody. But Lord, why am I going through this? You can pour out your heart this morning to God. You know what God says? You know what? I can give you beauty for ashes. Ashes which are absolutely worthless. I will take it and I can give you salvation as a free gift. Free! That is grace. Free gift to all of us who believe this morning. This morning, if you believe, just raise up your hands and say, Lord, this morning, just pray this prayer to, prayer, prayer in your heart. Just, just pray out, pray, pray to your God, pray to your God, not my God, your God this morning. Just, uh, Abel, can you continue with that song and be the redeemed? You just pray this morning. Just pray in your heart and just release. Be honest with God. Don't have to pretend before you don't have to come to the, come to the front. You can be where you are and be absolutely honest and say, Papa, This is what I am. I'm still trying to be a slave before you when I'm already a son. Still trying to earn my salvation. Still trying to straighten my act before I can get acceptance from you. Not knowing that you've already accepted me in the beloved because of your son. No one can give this. Only God can give this. What a mega exchange. Beauty for ashes. Oil of joy for mourning. A garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Double honor for shame. A shout of joy for confusion. Take it by faith this morning. Come to Him. Come to Him. No other person, no other carrier, no other relationship on this earth No other object of worship can give what God can give. Absolute beauty for absolute worthless ashes like us. Be honest before Him this morning. Pour out your heart for a few minutes. Yes, Abel. And we the redeemed. And we the redeemed shall be strong Declaring aloud. Because you said in your word, come boldly and confidently.
to the throne room of grace. Not in our own strength because your son made a new and a living way through the body that was rent for us. Through the blood that was shed for us. So that we can have access to the place behind the veil. Even the most holy place. So that we can receive mercy and we can receive grace. Time of need. So many of your people Father, whatever distress that you are going through, Lord, grant us faith this morning that you will give us freely beauty for ashes. If only we will confess our sin. Because Lord, you exchanged our sin on the cross because you says in your word, you became sin for us so that we can become your righteousness in Christ Jesus. You became curse for us so that we can become a blessing. And the blessing of Abraham can be experienced by us. You became poor for us so that we can be made rich and that we can bless others. You became man for us in all your frailties so that we can become your brothers. Hallelujah. 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 What an honor. What a privilege, O Lord. No wonder your apostle said, Behold, what manner of love the Father has shed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. O Lord, let your children experience your spirit of adoption. Let them experience the kiss of the Holy Spirit. Let them feel your embrace and let them cry out, Abba, Father. Oh Lord, you and you alone are our goodness. And we will say with the psalmist, unto thee, O Lord, you are our refuge and we have nothing good in us apart from you, O Lord. And for us, for our lines have fallen in pleasant places, I have a wonderful heritage. The saints of God, who are my brothers and sisters, they are a delight to me. Because you will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will bring Him through this and so that we can enjoy the pleasures at your right hand forever. Oh Lord, let your children experience your presence through this week. Beginning even now, oh Lord, let them put away their sin and lift up their righteousness, pick up their righteousness. Let them put away evil thoughts and be crowned with the helmet of salvation, with the beauty of holiness and grant them the grace, the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit so that they can can continuously experience your presence through this week. (coughs) Thank you, Father. We praise you, Lord. We just worship you, Father. We give you glory. You are a good God. Your mercy endures forever. Thank you, Father, for granting us beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, a double honor for shame, 
had a shout of rejoicing because of your presence for confusion take away our confusion O Lord this morning and grant us clarity we thank you we praise you we bless your holy name we give you all glory all honor all praise in Jesus mighty name we pray Amen may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us in Jesus name Amen Amen.